Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Cries from Syria is a searing, comprehensive account of the Syrian war from the inside out. The film draws from hundreds of hours of war footage from Syrian activists and citizen journalists, as well as testimony from child protesters, revolutionary leaders, human rights defenders, ordinary citizens, and high-ranking army generals who have defected from the government. Their collective stories are a cry for attention and help from a world that little understands their reality or agrees on what to do about it. The film, Cries from Syria, is directed by an Academy Award-nominated film director, Afghani Afganiski. Afghani, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate it. And um, one of the things that is so um, remarkable about your film is... First of all, it's all people on the ground living through this nightmare. But for a lot of Americans, as much as Syria has been on um, in the news for so many years with, uh, here in America, my sense is that we don't really understand what is going on and the, the true human cost of it. And your film does a, a remarkable job of giving us a sense of this hellscape that these people have been put through and why to, to a very large degree a much better I came away from your film a much better understanding of the context of what is happening in Syria so congratulations on that but tell me a little bit about how you were drawn to this particular project first of all what I wanted to add to what you just said I think America, complete lack of knowledge about Syria. Remember, the main news that people were starting to pay attention with the Syrian situation is about Syrian refugee waves in the European Union, and specifically summer 2015 and later on September 2015, with the disturbing image of Ilan Kurdi, three-year-old child mm -hmm. who found on the shores of Turkey. So I think this is the first vote uh, <clears throat> that we received in the news about Syrian refugees, but not much stuff on Syria prior to that. And then we immediately dived into the Syrian situation of the Syrian war, when the Russians announced that they're going to fight ISIS, and then the bombarding, and all kind of news is that some of them are even misleading. So at the end of the day, I don't think that we know much here about Syria. We knew much about what happened there prior. So I guess my movie became some kind of a comprehensive story versus small news segments uh, that we heard for the last couple of years. So that's one of the things that I want to add. And what brought me to that, the same, the same what we just were talking, I guess. Uh, people have lack of knowledge. And I decided to research and understand why we, in the 21st century, have such a huge humanitarian and refugee crisis that the world haven't experienced since Second World War. And this was one of the reasons that I started to do my research. I started to look for the characters on the ground 
started with the children, that people were living with the dictatorship, and that people were inspired for a change. And this kind of last role was the torturing and killing innocent kids who wrote graffiti on the walls of the, their school in the rock. So I think all these things together brought me into the situation to tell this fascinating and horrifying story. And for me, I guess it's even a journey into the darkest period of Syrian history. Mm-hmm. Tell me, you had mentioned the, the worldwide image of the, the young boy that... Um, well, there's a couple of images that are sort of iconic from at least a, sort of the American perspective. And two of them, the, the two I'm thinking of, involve small little boys. One is the, the boy that was drowned in the seaside um, at that seashore. I'm starting the movie. And yeah. another is Amran. Yes. And another is Amran. Yes. Amran Dahesh, who is five years old. Right. And this image came to the world on 18th of August 2016. Yes. So, yes, I do have actually three iconic children in my movie. Yeah. One is Elon, another is Amran, and the third is Bana, Bana Alapeta. Everybody recently learned about this phenomenal girl, sweet girl, how we call her sometimes, that survived Aleppo and escaped from Aleppo. I think for the first time, I tried to put all these three world-known images, uh, you know, images that the world completely familiar, horrifying images, in a context and take a comprehensive look at the Syrian civil war yes. and all its plus points across over the past six years, yes. from the torture and murder of the children by Russia-backed Assad regime, the popular protests which followed the chemical weapons attacks, the birth of the pre-Syrian army, the rise of ISIS, and the biggest refugee crisis since the Second World War. Yes. So for the first time, like I said, I put it, all these images together. And for me, kind of Alan Kurdi uh, situation, this three-year-old child from September 2015, is symbolizing death of the young kids. Amran Dahmesh is suffering and struggle. And Bana Alabed, the last girl, uh, she's symbolizing hope. So I put it, all these fascinating images together. And through the eyes of the kids on the ground, through the orphans that I met, to the kids that were involved in all these different atrocities, I literally try to recreate the history. I try to recreate the history through these fascinating voices of these kids. And you've done you've done that. And I think again, going back to this sort of perspective of the Americans, because we are such an important player in this story for a lot of different reasons, going back far back into the history of the region as well as today. With uh, with its, with the ban on on uh, people coming from is, uh, Syria and other uh, uh, Islamic countries or Arab countries, predominantly. But so there's so so much here, and it's frustrating for me as a citizen who tries to pay attention to these things that we have so little understanding of what's going on to I think to most Americans it's just a horrifying mess and there's nothing we could possibly do or have to have any influence or effect on it and it's frustrating for for me to when I see your film it's it's easy to see all of the different uh, steps along the way where we got to this point and it's hard for me to believe that there more could not and should not have been done to prevent this ongoing horror that is affecting, what is it, 15, 20 million people? I don't remember exactly how many Syrians there are, but 
the the numbers are staggering uh and it's it again the the film does this as you said you go through these different chapters in the in the in the film to explain what happened and why going back to the very beginning the protest in uh, is it daraya is, am i saying that correctly Dara. no there is two places Dara, yeah that is uh, completely down next to jordan next to jordanian border yeah. and Daraya. That is the part of Damascus. It's two different places. Mm -hmm. So the protest, the killing of the kids and the graffiti happens in the Ra. But you know what? I disagree with you. We as American citizens, we do have ability to voice ourselves. We do have ability to pressure our government and to go and make them to listen to us. Because in the United States, we are the people. It's our constitution. And uh, I'm talking like right now, probably not as a major as American citizens. I'm disagreeing with what's happening in my country right now. And I think in our website, CrisisFromSyria.com, we're providing the sources for all our elect, uh, officials elected that we as the people can call and pressure them on this subject matter. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. I'm just saying, for as much coverage as it's gotten, the Americans, I feel like we've gotten very little un, real understanding. We see the, the nightly parade cavalcade of, of horror uh, that we see in, in the film clips, but not even. It sort of comes and goes. It fades in and out, and occasionally there's something like the image of, the, of uh, yeah, the boys, the young boys who are in such distress for the young kids. And other than that, we it's hard to know how to pressure our American politicians to do something about this. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating exercise from my perspective. And I, I, don't, I don't want to get too far down. I don't want to be too far down this road, uh, Afghani, because I want to talk because, I mean, I, I don't know if you agree with what I'm saying or not, but, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I just feel like it's such, you, know, so you said it's so important. This is destabilizing the region in significant, profound ways. In some some extent, it's it's the situation is de destabilizing the political uh, structure within Europe, and there's all kinds of consequences of this. It, it's so it's so maddening, it's so frustrating. And um, what would you say to to an American politician if you could if you had their ear? What would you say to them? to have some kind of a positive impact on what, on stopping this slaughter that's going on in, in Syria? You know what? For me, it's hard to tell what can be done towards Syria itself. Because you know what? A lot of times from the Syrians, what I was hearing is either leave us alone or help us to stop this war. Because most of the Syrians are full of help and they... Uh, they want to, you know what, they literally want to go back home. They want to rebuild the country. If you saw all this hope in the eyes of the kids, uh, they want to rebuild the country. They want to rebuild uh, their own home and go back. But some of them are not ready to do it during this war because they're understanding that it's not the momentum how they can rebuild their own country. Mm -hmm. So like, like some of the kids that I met, they do went back. Syria, but some of them are not ready to do that. Most of the people are waiting and looking what will happen. Most of the people are looking for shelter. The shelter right now uh, in the European Union or in the Middle East. So at the end of the day, like I said, people looking for shelter and they're waiting. They will either leave Syria alone, all these elements that are fighting inside Syria, or they're going to stop that process. Yeah.
We're speaking with Evgeny Afanitsky. He is the uh, director of the film Cries from Syria. It's I think that this is a film uh, that uh, will leave a lasting impression on on film on people who watch it. I do think that it is it is a raw look at it. This doesn't pull any punches. It you see uh, incredible brutality in the film. We also see this amazing humanity among the people who are the victims uh, are on the other end of the gun in this uh, in this terrible situation. Um, you get a look at the people of Syria in a way that I, I've not seen before and in a way that is, it just, uh, it, it's, it kills you. It's heart rendering to, to, to see what's going on. And, and if it doesn't, it, it certainly should spur us to, to action. It's certainly a film that is very powerful. There are a number of people in the film that you had a chance to sit, to have, um, to interview, uh, what was the, what went into that selection process? How did you kind of come to these people, or how did they how did they end up in your film? You know what? Actually, I interviewed over a hundred people at the end of the day, over a hundred. But I, as you saw, only and for me, it was important to bring the real icons of the revolution, the real. Uh, people who've been a part of this event. So we will be able to deliver to our audience the first-hand account of all what's happened. For me, it's one of the essential elements when you're telling such uh, important stories and when you're reconstructing the history. Because these people wrote this history. These people participated in the event. So it's them who can tell it to the world. So for me, it was really important to bring these people like Abdelbasa Sarut, Kulut Helmi, Hadi Abdullah, uh, people who are literally heroes, leaders, or actual uh, participators on the event. Mm -hmm. Or Riyad al-Assad, who was the first high-ranking officer and uh, created Free Syrian Army. Right. Or, let's say, if it's talking about chemical weapons, to bring the doctors who were dealing this from the beginning or to have the general who were responsible for chemical weapons at the regime army and then went to the side of the people. So for me, all this was important to find the real characters, saying like the kids who wrote the graffiti on the wall. I think you as the storyteller responsible to tell the situation as it is. And for me, it was important to find these characters who been involved into this event. Yeah, and again, I'll I'll just say it again that the 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 people in the film, from the generals to the general who you spoke with, Free Syrian Army, all the way down to these children, these five, six, seven year old, eight year old children who are who are being brutalized by this situation. It is really I say the word again, remarkable to see uh, that the the desire to see their country rebuilt to see their families uh be able to live in a in a in a in a peaceful situation their de their dedication to what they believe in is is uh just takes your heart away and and I you did a wonderful job of getting the kind of the cross section of people that can tell this story and tell this story so effectively so um Evgeny, what did you learn that you were that most surprised you about Syria in this? What was there something in, uh, that jumped out at you that you hadn't expected uh, going into the project? You know, the old old story 
own story itself surprised me because I didn't know anything about that. Mm. Same like most of the people in the ground in Western world don't know anything about pre-Syria. So I think this is what surprised me. In you, your other film um, that you did, uh, Winter on Fire, Ukraine Fight for Freedom, is there any... I mean, obviously, the, the, it's a different film. It's about a different. There's very different dynamics involved, but uh, it is about people in struggle. Now, what what if the connections between those between Winter on Fire, the people that you you showcase in in that film, and, and the people of Syria? What did, is there a commonality uh, in 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 them? In 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 approach, or you're talking about approach, or you're talking about. Uh, what specifically? Because it's two different movies in, in terms of approach. Right. One, I was on the ground, and another, I was reconstructing the history. One was unfolding in front of my eyes. Another, I was doing the research and have complexity of the language mentality mm-hmm. and the events were taken uh, across the entire region, right. not just in the one square and one city. So there are two different complicated things. But what is united these movies are... Let me give you just a brief uh, sample here. They're two different in approach, and also remember one simple thing. What unites these movies is the fight against dictatorship. Yeah. It's fight against uh, tyranny. And at the same time, people who came out, they were fighting for the freedom, freedom of speech, democracy. And from the beginning, both of these events, people were united. Yeah. If in Ukraine they've been united through all 93 days and achieved their goal through the Syrian situation, unfortunately it's unfolded in different way. Uh, regime used different tactics to separate people and uh, it, it went into the long six years because it became from the uprising into the civil war and then it transferred into the, because of the, a lot of intervention mm-hmm. of the different sides, it became literally the war of our days that reflected in what's happening right now in a refugee crisis. So it's, as you see, there are similarities and there is a lot of different things. But we can learn definitely from both of the movies and reevaluate values that we are living in our days. Right. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on Film School today. The, the film uh, is, again, uh, uh, Cries from Syria is going to be... Uh, premiering on HBO this coming Monday, March 13th at 10 p.m. It's in a theatrical run in, in New York City as we sit here today. And it stops tomorrow. It stops tomorrow, okay. And uh, it's a, a terrific film. Uh, it's it's illuminating. It's heartbreaking. It is inspiring. It is a lot of different... Uh, you'll, you'll feel a lot of different emotions watching uh, Cries from Syria. Afghani Afganiski, thank you so much for being here on Film School. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 